You're listening to the Influencer Girl Lifestyle Podcast with Monica Woodhams. Influencer Girl Lifestyle is all about connecting you with top entrepreneurs, influencers, and celebrities who are sharing their secrets to living the influencer life behind the Instagram filters. So get ready to learn the ins and outs about influence, some girl talk, from dating to shopping for Gucci belts, and of course, the all-too-frequent debate over mimosas versus Bloody Marys at brunch. Here's your host and go-to for all things influencer lifestyle, Monica Woodhams. Hey, y'all. I'm here today with Katerina Kovacevich. She's the founder and editor of Ruby, a digital media company that promotes female camaraderie, supports sisterhood, and inspires women to make a difference in the world. So I'm so excited to have Katerina here today, and welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Of course. So I probably should have mentioned this before we started, but my microphone broke. So that's why I'm holding it. We're on video chat right now. So I'm like, usually people can't see the situation. Yeah. I just thought it was like some fancy new like technology that I wasn't cool enough to know about. So no, absolutely not. (laughs) This is me putting it in my checked baggage and it coming out. Oh man. Well, you're making it work. So that's all that matters. Exactly. All right. So let's kick it off with a little this or that. So if you're ready, we'll get into it. I think so. Yeah. Okay. Yoga or bar? Ooh, um, yoga. Um, I tried bar once and I went into it with a friend of mine, actually like at some fancy local, um, gym slash spa here in Scott, in the Scottsdale area. And I, it was like all like really cute girls. And I was like, Oh, this is going to be so easy. And literally 15 minutes into the class, I was dying. And I was like, I'm never doing this ever. (laughs) It was so, it is like targeting and moving muscles that I didn't even know I had. So I much prefer um, the flow of yoga. That's for sure. Yes. There's nothing like that. Like in bar, when your legs are just trembling, you're like, this can't, this can't be right. It is unreal. So more like any woman who tells me that any person who tells me they do bar regularly, I'm just like, wow, you are obviously a badass because I am not that strong. (laughs) I had a teacher who was pregnant and she literally taught and did it till like she gave birth. And I'm like, I am literally going to be the lady who's on her couch. (laughs) (laughs) That is impressive because she is carrying a whole other human being. So that's exactly. And all we're holding is two pound weights. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, wine or champagne? Oh gosh. Um, I love champagne. I love bubbles. Um, yes. especially sparkling rosé is like my go-to for the summertime. Yeah. I love I love wine too. I can't really, I don't know. Can I say I both? Know. You can say both. <laughs> okay. <It's> fine. <laughs> both. In- Instagram posts or Instagram stories? Instagram posts. Um, really? Yes. I'm so old. Like I, I like to do stories also, but I, um, I think I've taken maybe one video of my face on Instagram stories for the past, however long it's been around. I just get so nervous on video yeah. and yeah. So no IGTV. <laughs> no, <laughs> probably not. <laughs> maybe someday. I don't know. We'll see. Mom- Mimosa or Bloody Mary? Um, I love Bloody Marys, um, but I will, I like, if I do a mimosa, I just do champagne. I, I, you know, 
I don't yeah. mess around with the OJ. It's totally. just added sugar. So true. <laughs> you know, Bloody Mary is the rarest answer to that question on this podcast. Really? Oh, yeah. I love like, it. Maybe three people have said it. Really? Well, yeah. I love it. I love a spicy Bloody Mary. Same. And then, yeah, so good. And the reason I love it is because it's basically like food in a cocktail. Like yeah. you get olives and sometimes you get bacon and... This is what I tell people all the time. I'm like, if I'm not sure what the food situation is going to be, I I just get Bloody Marys and just start snacking on that. Yes. It's basically nutrition in a glass, right? Exactly. A hundred percent. Takeout or cooking? Um, I love to cook when I have time. Um, I have a two-year-old or sorry, a two and a half year old. So it's not always possible to cook. Um, Mm -hmm. So takeout saves my butt more than once a week, but I do love to cook. And the last one is leather jacket or denim jacket? Um, I love me a denim jacket, but I just bought two really cute um, faux leather jackets like this last fall. And I lived in them throughout the fall and winter time here in Phoenix. So I'm moving on up, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Year with age. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> All right. So let's shift gears for a second and dive into you and your journey founding Ruby. So take us back to when this was just an idea before this was a digital media company, just when you were like, I think I need to create this. Sure. Yeah. Um, so my background is actually um, in. I I went to school for journalism and mass communication here at Arizona state in Tempe. Um, and then I, my dream was always to work in magazine publishing. Um, but I happened to graduate college in 2008, which is like right before, um, the economy officially tanked. I think it had been going down for a while before that, but they officially recognized that it had tanked (laughs) at that time. Um, and so right before I graduated, I got nervous that I wouldn't have a job after school because media, print media especially, was changing like crazy. And so I decided to um, focus my major in public relations because I thought there would be more job security, which thankfully for, for me there was. Um, so I got an internship and worked in PR during college. And then um, full-time after college, I worked for um, the tourism industry in Scottsdale for their tourism office and their PR department, which was um, amazing because I found out about this whole world of travel media and travel writing that I had never knew existed before. And, um, you know, as a PR person representing Scottsdale, I had to, you know, my job was like to present really interesting stories and cool angles about the city that people might not necessarily know. And um, I started working there at a time when the destination was really like looking to rebrand itself and, um, you know, maybe like reach a younger audience and, um, you know, online media was kind of just becoming a thing, which is crazy. Um, so it presented me with a lot of really great opportunity to try new things, um, you know, with security of a full-time job. Mm -hmm. So, um, I worked there, um, all together for about four or five years and, um, you, you know, it was kind of one of those places that people loved working um, so much that they didn't really ever leave. So yeah. it sort of <laughs> got to the point where, you know, I had maxed out my, my opportunity there. And so at that time, um, I had started doing a little bit of freelance writing on the side. I worked for um, an amazing woman um, who's a great friend of mine now these days, but she allowed me to freelance on the side because she knew that I just loved to write. So I was writing a little bit on the side with my full-time job and kind of started to think, okay, maybe PR is really not my thing. I'm, you know, I, 
um, I don't think I have the natural personality of a, like the God-given personality of a truly great PR person. Right. Yeah. That's <laughs> I how I a, feel too. Yeah. Yeah. It's a very, it's a very, um, special skill and a very, you know, it takes a certain kind of person. Um, mm-hmm. and I just, I don't think I have the chops yeah. for it. So, um, but you know, I didn't I mean, living in Phoenix, there weren't m- many opportunities in media, especially at that time. So, um, I thought, okay, well, you know, what better way to test whether I love PR than to go work for a PR agency. And so I did that. I had a really great opportunity to work for a boutique firm that um, specialized in hospitality and travel, which, you know, was a natural progression for me. And um, I think maybe like nine weeks into the job, not even like, I don't know month, month and a half into the job, I just realized this is not, not what I want to do. Not for me. Um, and not to say like the agency that I worked for and the woman that I worked for, if PR had been my thing would have been my dream job. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, it was, it was an amazing environment and, uh, you know, just a great place to work, but I just really, it really made me realize where my strengths were and where they were not. So, um, at my 90 day review, my boss at the time sat me down and, um, you know, we went through the typical review and at the end of it, she looked at me and she said, okay, so, you know, where do you see yourself in a year or two years? And I sort of had this moment of like, oh shit. (laughs) I just, I had known in my heart that it wasn't what, where I wanted to be and what I wanted to do. And I kind of just had a moment of word vomit and I really laid it all out on the table. And I just said, you know, like, this is not what I want to do. I just really love writing. I need to find a way to make that my full-time job. And, you know, I was, you know, full on panic mode. And she just looked at me and she reached across the table and she said, Katerina, it's going to be okay. She's like, I understand this job is not for everybody. You know, it's not, it's not the end of the world. And, um, she basically, you know, asked me to spend a little more time and, you know, really think that think things through, which I'm so grateful to her for reminding me to do because I was, you know, in my mid twenties at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but she said, you know, ultimately you need to do what's best for you and I'm here to support you however I, I can do that. So that was amazing. And I, after that, what followed was, um, you know, a, a career in freelance writing, basically. So I did um, some writing for marketing purposes, but I really focused a lot on um, freelance editorial writing and specifically travel writing because right. you know, my previous job yeah. had opened <laughs> my eyes to that world. So... Um, fast forward a little bit, my husband and I got married in June of 2012. And then that September, we moved to New York City, which had always been a goal, a dream of ours. So um, we spent, you know, three years in New York City. And at that time, I was full time freelance writing, just, you know, going through the whole freelance writer hustle, um, you know, pitching more stories than I was selling and right. the life. <laughs> Uh, and it was at that time that I really started to dream up Ruby. Um, and part of the inspiration behind that was, um, you know, I was getting a lot of really fun assignments for big publications, but the way media was trending at that time, particularly women's media was, you know, a lot of top 10 lists and like, you know, seven best places to eat a, you know, sandwich in America, which are really fun pieces to write. And I love that, but um, I just wanted something a little bit more. And 
Um, again, this was at a time when women's media hadn't made like the major shift that it has, thankfully, in these days, um, more towards like female empowerment and, you know, positive stories. Um, and so I just, you know, I was like, well, I really want to write about, you know, this certain topic or this topic. And wouldn't it be great? Like, you know, just questions that I had as a woman and as a person yeah. about life and, right. yeah. you know, things. And, um, so I, you know, it's kind of one of those things where if you, if you want something and you don't see it in the market, you're just kind of like, okay, well, why don't I do it? So, yeah. Um, yeah. And I just thought at the time, you know, how great to, would it be to build a community of, of women that, um, you know, is all about supporting one another and, um, accepting one another as we are, Mm -hmm. you know, just kind of come as you are and, and understanding that not everyone's going to have the same viewpoints as you, but, um, as women, there's this common thread and, uh, you know, we can learn to love and respect one another, even if we don't always agree. Um, so yeah, so I, (laughs) so, so, uh, to help raise, yeah, go ahead. Oh, so I was going to say, so when you finally realized, okay, there's a void in this market, I'm going to take action and like really show up there from there. Was there any second guessing of like, can I really do this? Is anyone even going to find it? Or were you like so sure that people were looking for this, that it just needed to be put out there ASAP? Um, hundred percent second guessing. (laughs) (laughs) It scared the daylights out of me because I've never worked on anything that's been so, uh, before that's been so personal and so such a passion project Mm -hmm. as well as, you know, like a, a career opportunity. So, um, it was, I felt very vulnerable and very scared and, you know, like, are people going to think I'm trying, you know, are people going to think I'm crazy? Are people going to think I'm too like head in the clouds? Is this actually going to work? You know, there was all sorts of second guessing. Was there anything from your past career experience that really set you up to succeed in launching it? Because a lot of times I hear about women saying like, I'm in this job and it's just really not what I want to do because I want to create something. And I just feel like this isn't helping me at all. And I like to shift that perspective. Like all of our experience is actually helping us. So was there anything specifically that you really pulled from your career experience? Yes, absolutely. And I'm so glad you say that because I think it is so easy to, um, to forget that your every experience you have is going to lead to something greater and going to take you closer to where you want to go. So yes, absolutely. I, um, uh, the way I launched Ruby was through a Kickstarter campaign. Oh, cool. I didn't realize that. Yeah. So, um, I started planning the Kickstarter campaign, like almost a full year before I even launched it. And so I think my background absolutely in PR and marketing and, you know, learning how to plan a campaign and timelines and strategy and all of that absolutely played into the success of the Kickstarter campaign. Um, because, you know, I did, crazy amounts of research before I, before I started the campaign. Um, you know, I had a whole calendar and marketing strategy behind it, social media strategy, all of that. And, you know, without my background in PR and marketing, I probably would not have thought to do that. Mm -hmm. That's really cool. What inspired to do it through the Kickstarter campaign? Um, I didn't have money to do it on my own. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, no, this is an important thing because a lot of people won't take action at all because they say I don't have the money to do it. But 
this is an example of like taking initiative and not being like, okay, well, maybe eventually. Thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, honestly, that's what it was. And, um, you know, I also just loved the idea of building buzz around it before I even launched the site. Yeah. Um, the PR and, thing. Yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, I just, I thought Kickstarter was a great opportunity to, to make it, um, you know, a reality and to kind of get some of the initial funding I needed to hire a designer and a, you know, web developer and freelance yeah. writers. I actually pay all my freelancers. Um, oh, which, okay. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and I, and I mean, I like, you know, I feel like now at this point, like it'd be kind of crazy if I didn't, but I should right, say, right. I <laughs> at paid, the like, yes, I paid yeah. them from the very beginning. That's what really I think cool. is pretty competitive rates for online media of, of our size. So, and would you say a lot of that is because of your freelance experience and you knew like the value of what it is to write and what it takes to be a freelance writer and that, you know, like it's, it's not easy to be right. a freelance writer and the paycheck matters for sure. Yeah. So did you take that experience and made that, made that a non-negotiable for how you were going to run it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I always knew from the very beginning that I wanted to pray freelancers and, um, I, yeah, like you said, I know what goes into researching a story and to, you know, how long it takes to interview somebody and then, you know, the first draft and the second draft and, mm-hmm. um, um, you know, number one, I wanted to make sure that I was giving back to the freelance, you know, like contributing in a positive way to the freelance writer contr- community. But more than that, I also wanted to make sure that I was getting quality content. And I know yeah. that it's difficult to get quality content when you're not paying your writers. Right. So, um, you know, and my goal, um, we'll probably touch on this when we talk about like future stuff, but, um, my main focus right now for Ruby is, um, expansion and, you know, um, bringing in, uh, you know, going from self-funding to, you know, like an actual real business and revenue model. And mm-hmm. one of the main reasons I want to do that is because I want to pay my freelance writers more. Right. That's really so. cool. I love that because you, I mean, especially with the online space, I think people, especially when it first started to grow, people got really used to the idea that people would just do it for free. Right. And then people just assume that that's just the way it was. And it's so funny because so my background is communication as well. So I studied Stratcom PR advertising in college. And oh, cool. yeah, so that's been my thing. And it's always so funny to me because people often joke that like communications is the easy route in college, right? And it is if you phone it in, but if right. you like really like do it, then it's like, holy crap, this is hard. Right. Like when you get to the campaigns level. Right. And I feel like that kind of carries over into the real world where people often forget because communication is something that we all do on a daily basis. They forget that there is an element of work that goes behind good quality communication. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, yes, communication is something we all do, but it's not something we all do well. Right. Right. So it's, it's definitely a skill and it's, um, something that, you know, you perfect over time and with experience. And I, um, yeah, I, you know, I can't tell you how many times, even as a freelancer from like big publications, I got like, 
you know, offers where they're like, well, we can't really pay you this much, but you know, you'll get great exposure. And I'm like, I can't, you know what people say, like, I can't pay my rent with exposure. (laughs) Like I can't put food on my table with exposure. So thank you, but no, thank you. Exactly. Um, And not to say that there's not times where that makes sense, you know, like, I guess, you know, there's all, every situation is different. And if it's something that's really going to expand your career and your opportunities in a huge way, then of course, consider it, you know, don't turn it down right away. But I just knew for me and with Ruby, I did not, you know, I didn't, I wanted to make sure people were getting paid for their work. Absolutely. I love that. So since the founding of Ruby, how has it evolved? Um, so much. Um, (laughs) so to backtrack a little bit, um, I, you know, my site, the Kickstarter campaign was funded in, I'm going to get my years mixed up now because I'm horrible. That's okay. (laughs) But let's say it was funded in April, 2015. Um, Yes, that's, that's right. Actually. <laughs> that's actually correct. Because in June of 2015, my husband and I found out we were pregnant. Okay. That's a good way to know. Yes. Not, not you know, for sure. Yeah. So the Kickstarter campaign was funded in April. I found out we were pregnant. We found out we were pregnant in June and then the site launched on in December of 2015. And then we had our baby in February of 2016. Okay. So it was a lot all at once. And as a new mom who hadn't gone through, you know, labor and delivery and having a newborn and all of that before, I thought, okay, well, this will be great because when I'm home on maternity leave, I'll have plenty of time to work on Ruby which was so not the case. (laughs) So it really went to the wayside for a little bit. And I was kind of just publishing, honestly, whatever um, came to mind, whatever writers were pitching. I was just like, yes, let's do it. Let's do it. You know, as long as it was like female positive, I was like, let's do it. There was really no editorial strategy because I was just not in the space to be able to think about that. Um, And at the time I was kind of I was kind of bummed out about it. Honestly, I was, you know, a little bit hard on myself, just thinking like, this is not where as, you know, I'm not where I wanted to be at this point yet. Um, and looking back at it now, I think it's the best possible thing because, um, or looking back at it now, I'm actually proud of the way that I handled it because I kept going even when things were tough. And even when, you know, I was getting no sleep, you know, with a newborn and when I was in the throes of postpartum anxiety and depression and all of that, I kept going. And, um, you know, now my daughter's two and a half and I'm at a completely different place in life. And, uh, you know, there's real editorial strategy behind Ruby. Um, we have, you know, great contributors, journalist contributors, but, um, we also just launched our experts program, um, a few weeks ago. And so we actually signed on three different women who are, um, not journalists by trade, but they are, um, we have a really great life and relationship coach who's, um, contributing to our sisterhood vertical. So all about like female relationships. Um, we have, um, another amazing life coach, um, that's all about loving your life. Um, and so that's really just like empowering yourself and creating the life that you've wanted to live. And then the third one is, um, in the travel space because Ruby is a lot, uh, Ruby focuses a lot on personal inspiration. And I just, I 
feel like one of the best ways to be inspired in life is to travel. Um, so we have, you know, those three wonderful women contributing in addition to journalists. And then we also have, you know, our signature columns um, that really just are more, all of that together is much more geared toward our overall mission and our overall, um, you know, um, editorial direction. And um, I don't think I could have gotten the clarity of what Ruby really is and should be without going through like trial and error. Right. And as you were going through that process and evolving, how did you really stick to staying on brand while evolving? I guess that's, yeah, that's, that's kind of the question. So as you're changing and bringing on new people, how do you kind of maintain the core of the brand? Um, that's a great question. Um, so from an editorial perspective, I have an editorial calendar that I slate out every year. Um, and each month has a specific topic that we focus on, on the site with our editorial content. And so that really helps when I'm assigning, um, articles to journalists. So I have a lot of journalists pitching me story ideas. And as long as their stories fit within that editorial topic, um, that we're focusing on, you know, it, it, really helps us stay on brand and on message. But more than that, it helps me to, I, I read a ton. Um, mm-hmm. and I follow a lot of blogs. I follow a lot of people, you know, women, um, on social media. And I look for people who are putting out content on their daily lives that that's in line with Ruby's mission. And I reach out to them more often okay. than they reach out to me or than people reach out to me. Mm-hmm. Um, because, it's just, you know, I know what I'm looking for. So it's right. easier to, to make totally. that. Happen. Totally. Uh, but then the three experts that we signed on are women that I heard on podcast interviews, women whose content I came across and just really loved and thought they had a really clear, concise message that fit with, with Ruby. And so I reached out to them um, on my own. And so the, the best way that I help stay on brand and that I helped us stay on brand throughout all of that transition is to just constantly be consuming really good content. I love that. Definitely. I love that. I love how it's important for you to have the consumer perspective instead of, you know, just the I'm running it because you have to know what people are looking for, what is out there, what isn't out there. And I think that that's a really good way to run a content-based business. Thank you. On that note, so social media has kind of taken over the and long form content isn't as popular as it was. I think it's like on the rise again. I think people are kind of sick of just the po- the Instagram post and are craving that long form content again, which is probably why Instagram has IGTV now. But right. as far as how you've run Ruby, how has that come into play? You know, balancing that everyone's on Instagram and people aren't going to blogs as much or does your audience have they always just been really wanting that quality long form content that's a great question um i from what i've seen just following our analytics and looking at trends on the site um people who the people who read ruby are looking for Mm -hmm. um 
in-depth content. And when I say in-depth, I mean, I think the longest article we've ever published is like a thousand words. So it's not, you know, it's not (laughs) super in-depth. Isn't that so funny that now long form content is anything that's not a three sentence caption? (laughs) Right. So true. So, um, but even just looking at like, you know, the time that people spend on our site or on our articles, like they're, they're really reading. Um, and so that's been, um, uh, it, like I almost sigh a set, like a, a sigh of relief when I look at those analytics because I'm like, Oh my God, like, yes, people are still reading. Yeah. Um, but I also think that social media, um, from, for Ruby, um, plays such an integral role because like I said, that's where we really, um, build a lot of our community and create like real relationships and connection with our readers and with our, um, the, the journalists that I'm, that I work with and the experts that I work with, like, that's where, you know, that's where I find so many people. And for us, um, our social media is, um, you know, partly about promoting the content that's on our, on our site, but more than that, it's about building community. And, um, my main thing is that I want to use our Instagram page, our Instagram profile in particular to, um, amplify other women and their missions and their projects and their voices. And so, um, you know, anytime I see a woman who's doing something really inspirational or women working together in particular, that's a huge theme for Ruby on our editorial and in our social media. Um, you know, we like to raise up their voices and, uh, you know, kind of give more, uh, bring more eyes and ears and, you know, listeners and readers to what they're doing. So that's kind of how our social media plays into our strategy. Awesome. And where would you say the future of Ruby is going? Oh man, that's such a good question. I mean, um, I'll tell you what I'm kind of working on right now. Um, What are you excited about? Yeah. Like what's like that kind of thing that's getting the creative juices flowing? Well, I wouldn't call it super creative, but, um, you know, outside of what was creative when what I did really enjoy was bringing on those experts and really fine tuning Mm -hmm. our content and creating those signature columns and all of that. Um, but one thing I'm working on right now is creating is, um, redeveloping or redoing our business plan and, um, you know, eventually, um, working with sponsors in a way that is still very true to our, our editorial mission and very true to our goal to be a content-based media company first and foremost for Mm -hmm. women. Um, and I also will be, um, you know, hopefully next year ish, um, uh, I'll be, you know, looking for funds and raising additional funds for Ruby, um, you know, maybe via investors. I, don't, I haven't exactly decided that yet, but, um, you know, I want, I want to grow our, I want to grow a staff. I want to be able to pay our writers more. I want to, um, I have all these really great ideas for campaigns and editorial content, um, that I can't accomplish with just myself and freelancers and a, an assistant. So, right. I want to grow it into a full-blown thing, um, but I'm just taking baby steps right now. I think that's amazing. And I think that's also really cool that you've acknowledged what the pe- who, who it's going to take to take this to the next level. Because I think a lot of people get caught up in the solopreneur thing and thinking, mm-hmm. I'm always going to have to do it all by myself. But you 
really kind of have that CEO hat on that's like, actually, no, it is going to take a team of people. Maybe it takes some investors. Maybe it takes a staff. Like, and I think that's what... That w- that's what makes a business grow faster is already knowing that that's the next step. Yeah, I hope so. Thank you. I mean, it's like, it's been honestly such a challenge because by nature, I'm a person who wants to do everything by myself. Right. And I think <laughs> anyone who starts something, it's like, <laughs> I can, if I can do this, I know I can do the, the next thing. But I mean, right. the reality is we only have so much energy and right. there's some things that other people can do better. Right. Exactly. And that's exactly what I was going to say. I think it's, you know, it's important to realize what you're good at, what you enjoy, and more importantly, what you're not good at. Um, And, you know, I'm fully aware of of my limitations, you know, personally and professionally. And um, I 100% believe in, you know, working with people who are better than you are in, in certain areas. And I think that's what makes a really successful company. And so, um, yeah, so I've got like, you know, I've got my wish list in place and I love all that. that. So yes. <laughs> that's amazing. So to wrap it up, what was your morning routine like today? Today was a little bit different because my child decided wake, to wake up an hour and a half earlier than she usually oh, does. Threw <laughs> off my entire day. <laughs> mom life. Um, but my usual, my typical morning, um, I'm, I call myself a newfound morning person. Um, Oh, tell me your secret. (laughs) Um, just forcing myself to get up and setting multiple alarms for like six months until it became more second nature. Um, but I, the reason I'm a morning person or force myself to become a morning person is because, um, I just really need like you know, 30 minutes to an hour of just quiet time in the morning in order to set my mind right. So usually, you know, I'll roll out of bed, I'll go straight to the kitchen and, you know, have my coffee. Um, I've been trying to meditate a little bit in the mornings. Um, so I have, I use this really great app called insight timer. Oh, have you ever heard of it? I haven't. Um, it's, it's so good. It's free. And they have like a section where you can sit, choose how much time you have. So it's like zero to five minutes, five to 10 minutes. I love that. Yeah. So I usually do the zero to five minutes (laughs) and, um, it'll list out all these guided meditations, like within that time frame. And so I'll usually do like a little meditation, maybe like three to five minutes. And then, um, I'll, I'm really like into nerdy stuff like horoscopes and that. So I'll read my horoscope. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Fine. Have you ever heard of Astro style? Yes. Obsessed. Yes. Like daily. (laughs) Yes. Same. So I'll read my Astro style horoscope. Um, and then honestly, I like to just sort of sit in quiet for a little bit because the rest of my day is usually insane. And I feel like it helps me really, um, kind of center and get my mind right for the rest of the day. So I'll just kind of sit there, drink my coffee. And then my kid usually on a good day, will wake up around (laughs) seven. And then after that, it's just mayhem. So (laughs) I love it though. And then what is your favorite lifestyle hack? Um, Oh man, I had to take notes on this one because I was kind of like, I don't know. I think honestly, um, the thing that's been a little bit of a life changer for me lately, and I don't know if it's considered a lifestyle hack or not, but I've, again, going back to that quiet time, like I've built in quiet 
time into my work day. Mm -hmm. Um, So before I used to go from like task to task to task and just kind of plow through my to-do list. Um, And now I built in like five to 10 minutes of like nothing time between tasks. Oh Um, yeah. And I, I will literally just like, if I'm working for my co-working space, I'll go, they have like a little meditation room and I'll go in there and I'll just like, I won't even meditate. I just sit there and quiet for five minutes. Yeah. (laughs) That's amazing. (laughs) Or if I'm at home, you know, I'll kind of, I might do like the dishes or like some mindless sort of task just to like regroup and then move on to the next thing. And I, as I'm saying this, I feel like I sound like such like a recluse or like a, <laughs> just don't like to be around people. But no. I think because my job requires so much like interaction, it's that just you need to have those breaks. Totally. I love this so much because I've been doing the time blocking thing recently, which helps a lot. But like you said, I go from task to task to task and then I'm exhausted Mm -hmm. because I just power through because I did really focused stuff. And that's so smart about putting in the space in between in the calendar. Because if I just have it in the back of my mind, it I'll just be like, Oh, fine. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And it's funny because time blocking is actually what led me to that too, because I I still time block and it's like the best thing ever, I think. But, um, when I first started doing it, yeah, my, I would, I I would get home at night and I'd be like, why am I so tired? And my husband one time saw my calendar and he's like, uh, well, I can tell you why you're so tired. He's like, you do like a million things in one day. Exactly. Oh my God. Just trying to be more realistic about like what I can accomplish in a single day and you know, yeah, I think this I love changed that. my life. <laughs> I love that. I think that that's for sure a life st- life hack, lifestyle hack, both of them. Okay. <laughs> okay. Good to know. <laughs> so, where can everyone find you? Awesome. Um, yeah. So you can find Ruby on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Ruby the Mag, and our website is rubythemag.com. And then you can find me on Instagram at little underscore. Kata, K-A-T-A underscore K. Amazing. I'll link it all in the show notes. So that'll be easy to find. Yes. (laughs) Thank you for coming on today. This was so fun. I loved hearing your start because, you know, I think a lot of people start their blogs and sites in very similar ways. And your story is actually like stands out to me as a different way to do it. And I just love that. And that just makes these conversations so much more interesting. So, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I had a lot of fun. I'm so grateful for, for you having me on and, uh, I'm looking forward to hearing the final episode, even though I'll be so nervous to listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Influencer Girl Lifestyle. Love this episode? Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. For show notes and free resources on living out your influencer lifestyle, head over to monicawoodhams.com forward slash podcast.